Are you an armchair quarterback? This week, we discuss why you should follow the standards and what are some of the standards that affect you. Welcome to the show where we tackle the tough questions that are submitted by installers, estimators, project managers, customers, and sometimes even IT personnel. On this show, we connect at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this show on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button or and the bell button to be notified when new content is being produced? If you're listening to us on one of the audio podcast platforms, would you mind giving us a five-star rating? And if you can't give us a five-star rating, email me and let me know what I can do to make this a five-star rating. Those couple little steps helps us take on the algorithm, which helps get this message out to more people so we can educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of more people in the ICT industry. Thursday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What are you doing? We do a live stream on TikTok, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Facebook, where you get to ask your favorite RCDD questions. Well, that would be me. If I could, but I hear you now, Chuck, I'm driving. I can't be on my truck watching a video. I might get into an accident. That's okay. They are recorded, and they're all put on at www.letstalkcabling.com, or you can also find them on YouTube, so you can watch them afterwards. Submit your questions early because quite often when I get submitted with so many questions, I don't have enough time to get them through all. And I usually go through the ones submitted via email or direct message first. So get them in early at questions at letstalkcabling.com. And finally, while we provide this content free of charge, and it always will remain free of charge, if you would like to support this channel and have access to additional information, make sure you check out our QR code or buy me a cup where well, you can buy me a cup of coffee. You can even schedule a one-on-one call with me for 15 minutes, a 15-minute Zoom call after hours, of course. Or you can become a Patreon member. I'm also accepting sponsors as well. So make sure you visit our Amazon links also on our main page so you can actually look at some of the products that we use. And when you buy one of those products, we make a small stipend off it. You won't pay extra for it, but we'll get an extra stipend off that. Those are just a couple small little steps that you can do to help support this channel. One thing I've learned from starting this podcast and this vlog is there are a lot of armchair quarterbacks. Now, the intent of this show is to put information out there to make you a better installer, to make you a better designer, to make you a better project manager, or whatever role you play in the ICT industry. Now, the information I put out there is based basically on my experience but it's usually backed up by the NEC codebook and also the current industry standards. Now, there are some people who are out there who want to learn, and I enjoy conversing with those types of people. Those people can have anywhere from one day to 25 years of experience. But there are some other people out there as well with varied amounts of experience and training and just enough training where they, they think they are experts in the ICT industry. Now, those are the really dangerous type of people because they would rather argue with you than to learn something or to be teachable that they, or, or, or even admit that maybe I might be wrong. I have over 40 years of experience in this industry as an installer, as an estimator, 
as a project manager, as a QA inspector, as an instructor. And one of the things that you will never, ever hear me say is that I'm an expert. I always refer to myself as a constant learner because that's the best that you can be in this industry. Our industry changes way too fast. It changes at the speed of light. By following the standards, you will be laying a foundation that will best ensure that the cable and the connectivity products that you are installing will work consistently. Now, I feel this is so important that I purchased my own set of ANSI TIA telecommunications bundle set. It was not cheap, but I think it's an investment in my career. Again, as my dad always used to say, if you think knowledge is expensive, you should try stupidity. So by following the standards, you will in fact ensure four very distinct things. Performance, consistency of design, reliability, and and interoperability. That will result in a well-performing structured cabling system. Keep in mind that standards are voluntary. And as such, technically, you don't really have to follow them unless you are contractually obligated to do so. Sometimes you will enter a contract with a customer and it will say in the contract that you will your work must meet or exceed the standards. Even with that being said, you follow the standards because they guarantee those four things that we just discussed. When you follow the standards, you will guarantee the performance of that structured cable plant to the maximum channel length of 100 meters or 328 feet. For example, if you want to deploy a 10 gig network, then the standard pretty much recommends category 6A cable. Now you can do 10 gig on some other lower rated cabling. Sure, you can do it on CAT6 cable, but you can't guarantee that performance, that 10 gig network connectivity out to the maximum allowable distance of 100 meters for that channel length. By the way, that CAT6 cable, even though it will support 10 gig, it can only support it to about 55 meters, 50 or 55. And still, that largely depends on how well that cable was run and how did you maintain your distances from potential sources of EMI and the physical damage that can mess up the cable during the install. Those all affect the performance of the cable plant. Your number one job as an installer while you're installing cable is to keep that cable from getting kinked, crushed, stepped on, painted, damaged, or pinched. When you follow the standards, you will ensure consistency of design. Let me explain. One of the biggest problems we have, and it comes installing cabling before the standards was written, was there was many different types of proprietary type of cable plants. Every different manufacturer had a specific kind of cable. And sometimes it even had a different type of topology that you had to use. When You, you could be installing anything from coax, twin x, type 1, type 3, type 9, and a myriad of other types of cable plans out there. And if the customer changed out their computer system, not only did they have to change the computers, they also had to change the cable plant. This would and often did cause confusion amongst installers, designers, and even the customers. The standards standardized the installation so that we didn't matter what type of phone or computer system that cable plant was going to be on. Whether it was shielded or unshielded, Twisted Pair Cable was installed in a physical star topology because it handled every phone system and every computer system out there. 
This would help contractors train their staff and bring them up to speed pretty quickly and thus be more efficient and more profitable. Who doesn't like more profitable? This also helped customers because they knew whichever contractor they chose to install their structured cable plant, it would end up being done the right way. This also helps the contractor because if a customer decided to use a new contractor, right, the new contractor could come in and get up to speed pretty quickly on the cable plant because all the cable plant was installed per the standards. It was all done in a physical star topology. None of the channel lengths are more than you know 100 meters or, or 328 feet. All the jails were you know four to five feet apart at random separations. This is one of the reasons that splitting pairs is frowned upon. Modifications to the cable plant brings with them additional headaches that the technician may have to figure out what the previous technician did. And that sometimes can be a real pain. I'll give you an example. One common thing that's done in our industry, and you find this a lot with telephone systems, is they will actually split that cable out into two different jacks. Now, for those who are new and may not know this, that twisted pair cable has four pairs inside of it. And the standard calls for us to terminate all four of those on one jack. So that way they will work with every phone system out there. Some customers who may have older telephone systems may only be using one or two pair and will often split those pairs inside the jacks or behind the faceplate so that they can get more jacks without having to pay the additional cost to run more cable. Again, the reason this is frowned upon is because now that cable plan will only work with some phone systems, not all phone systems. It may only work with that old Mitel or that old Panasonic KSU. But now that when you've gone out and bought a new Cisco VoIP system, which needs four pair to work, now you have to go out and you have to cut off all those cables, all those connectors, re-terminate, retest, and then put the faceplate back on. Now the customer will have to pay you to go back and re-terminate and retest and install this new faceplate. Had they followed the standards from the beginning, all they would have done at each location was to put in a dual RJ11 splitter. They would have gotten their two jacks for, at, at the faceplate, all again over that four-pair faceplate. So when they now go to that Cisco VoIP system, all they would have to do is just disconnect that dual RJ11 splitter, and they've got a single 8P8C connector. Now, it will work with every phone system and every computer system out there. That's why the standards are written that the way they're written. They're written to be backwards compatible, and so they are interoperable with all systems out there. So the ANSI standards are the standards that we use in our industry. The ANSI standards does not write standards. They facilitate industries and help them write their own standards. ANSI doesn't know anything about low voltage cabling. They just told us the process that we have to go through to create, to certify, to reaffirm, or even revise standards. Our standards are actually written by people from our industry, from all different points of view. For example, you're going to have people from manufacturers. You're going to have people who are contractors. You're going to have people who are end users, people who are consultants, and many, many more. This has yielded into a vast technical library of standards for our industry, which covers everything. You follow the standards, then you can guarantee those things I told you about, the performance, the interoperability, the consistency of design. There are a family of standards that consist of about 30 or so standards and technical service bulletins. They are organized into four distinct groups. Those groups are the generic standards, the premise standards, 
the component standards, and the technical service bulletins. Now, the standards grouped in the generic list are standards that you're going to follow every single day that you pull, you terminate, you test cable in our industry, no matter what type of building that you may find yourself within. The standards you will find here include the, the ANSI 568 generic telecommunications cabling standard for customer premises. When following the standard, it will enable you to better plan and install a structured cable plant, regardless of the type of building that you're working in. Some of the examples that you will find in this standards are T568A and T568B wiring schemes, the requirements for a physical star topology, the maximum length for a permanent link, the maximum length for a channel. Again, it doesn't matter if you're doing that cabling in a commercial office building or if you're doing that cabling in a hospital or a school or some other type of building. It doesn't matter. That's It's a, just one of the basic standards that you're going to follow every single day. Other standards in this section would include the Pathways and Space Standards, the Bonding and Grounding Standard, and even the Administration Standard. Other standards which are included in this family are the ANSI 568 Series Standards, which includes the 568.0-E, the Generic Telecommunications Cabling Standard for Customer Premises, the ANSI 568.1-E, the ANSI 568.2, which is the Balanced Twisted Pair Telecommunications Cabling and Component Standard, the ANSI 568.3, which is the Optical Fiber Cabling and Component Standard, and the ANSI 568.4 Broadband Coax Cabling and Component Standard. Now, these standards, they help you enable the planning and the installation and testing of a structured cable plant for, again, for all types of premises. It specifies a system that will support a generic telecommunications cable plant. It'll do this for a multi-product, a multi-manufacturer type environment. So you don't necessarily have to stick with one manufacturer. You'll get better performance if you do, but according to the standards, it's all the same. By serving as the foundation for the premise of the telecommunications cabling infrastructure, the ANSI 568 standard provides additional requirements that the other standards are specific to for the types of premises. For example, like the 568C.1. That contains additional information that's going to be applicable to the commercial building cabling. The standard specifies requirements for generic telecommunications, cable system structure, cable system structures, topologies, and even the distances and performance levels in testing. It even gets into the optical fiber transmission and test requirements. Now, the 569 Pathways and Space Standard gives us the guidance for how to support that cable and design and build the telecommunications room. For example, the equipment room, the telecom room, the telecom enclosure, and even the work area or the work area outlet. This is going to be critical because the building has a life expectancy of 50 to 75 years. Yet the structured cable plant has a life expectancy of about 10 years. The cable doesn't go bad, but because of the speed that the, which the computer systems become obsolete, because of new operating systems, new chips, or other innovations, and that drives up the minimum bandwidth requirement that that computer needs in order to operate functionally. Because of this, the average lifespan of a, of a computer or a server is typically going to be three to five years. Now, the category-rated cable that we're installing today will not have sufficient bandwidth for the computers that they will be using 10 years from today. 
I don't know about you, but that sounds like job security to me. Now, from day one, since I got into this industry, I've heard, copper's going away, everything's going to be fiber. 15 years later, copper's going away, everything's going to be wireless. By the way, this wire, that wireless needs wire, right? Copper's going away because now it's going to be whatever. Here we are 40 years later, and we're still installing copper cable. And with power over Ethernet, building automation systems, this trend is going to continue and happen for many years. Copper cabling is not going anywhere. The ANSI 606 standard is the administration standard, and that helps us with a, an efficient way to document the complex structured cable system that you just got done installing. The administration includes the, the basic documentation and the timely updating of the drawings, of the labels, and even the records. Now, the administration should be synergistic with voice and data and video and telecommunications, as well as other building signal systems, including the security system, the audio system, the alarm system, maybe even the energy management system. The administration can be done with paper records, but in today's complex environment, you're typically going to find that you really want to do this electronically, right? either with a, a spreadsheet or some type of a cable management software. Now, the, there's advantages and disadvantages to each of those. For example, a paper-based system, a notebook can get lost. Spreadsheets, you get, they're getting backed up, so there's a backup copy. Cable management systems, they're expensive, but they provide a great detail. Now, the administration standard identifies basically four classifications of buildings, and depending on which classification your building falls under, is going to tell you which of the components that you need to have documented and labeled. I will also say that this is one of the most ignored standards that we have. It's ignored not only by customers, it's ignored by contractors. And yes, sometimes even manufacturers. And let's think about it because generally they either like doing it by the numerically or they like doing it by room numbers or they thought of some weird numbering system all on their own. The ANSI TIA 607 standard, that's the bonding and grounding standard. Now, according to a, a document that I found on Annexter when I was doing research for this show, it's going to specify the telecommunications grounding and bonding infrastructure that shall be followed within all commercial buildings. Following the AT&T divestiture after 1984, the end user became responsible for all premise cabling for both voice and data. Now, advancements in the voice communications and the convergence of both the voice and the data communications cabling pretty much has led to an increasing complex of interactive systems. These interactive systems are going to be owned and maintained by the end user. These systems require a reliable electrical ground reference in order to make sure that everything functions the way it's supposed to, and it doesn't hurt anybody or doesn't hurt equipment. By bonding to the attachment to the nearest piece of iron pipe is no longer satisfactory, basically to provide a ground reference for today's sophisticated active electronic systems. By following this standard, you will ensure that, in fact, the cable plant is safe, that the cable plant is reliable, for whether it's a phone or even a network type of uh, equipment. It will be safe for anybody. Now, the next group of standards is ones that directly apply to you. Those are the premise standards. Now, according to dictionary.com, premise is defined as a tract of land, including the building and all of the sub-buildings. 
Here you will find six standards that will affect your work. These standards include the ANSI 568.1, generic telecommunications cabling for customer premises, the ANSI TIA 570, which is the residential telecommunications infrastructure standard, the ANSI 942 data center cabling standard, the ANSI 1005 industrial cabling standard, the ANSI 1179 healthcare standard, facility standard, and the ANSI TIA 4966, the educational facility standards. You may be wondering, why do they have a different standard for all these different types of buildings? Now, the standard you follow will be dependent on which type of building you're actually installing cable inside of. And the ANSI 568C1 standard is going to enable you for the, the planning and the installation of that structured cable plant within that commercial office building and also in between commercial buildings. By following the standard, the building will support, again, a multi-product, multi-manufacturer type of environment. You might have heard that earlier in today's show. The standard will support up to a wide range of, of different types of, of commercial applications. For example, data networks, video, voice networks, image networks, security alarms, industrial sensors. Now, the reason for the, the different types of standards is because the work will change between those different types of buildings. When you design, when you install a cable inside of a hospital, fire stopping becomes a little bit more critical because they're going to have yearly inspections where people come out and look at those fire stops to make sure that they're still in place. Plus, you're also going to find other systems in that hospital that are also going to require cabling that you won't find in that commercial office building. For example, a nurse call cabling, patient monitoring cabling. So there will be additional systems that you've got to run cables for. In an industrial plant, you're going to have to plan for a harsh environment. Not all of the cables going to be run into an, in an office area. You may have to deal with mechanical, ingress, climatic, chemical, and electromagnetic interferences that typically are just not found in your traditional office spaces. So you got to plan for those. Now, the component standards is the third section. The third section of the component standards, they don't really apply to you while you're out installing cabling. These are really more geared towards the manufacturers. There is the copper, the fiber, the coax, the balanced twisted pair standards, and there's also some field and lab testing equipment standards. So again, they really more apply towards the manufacturers than they apply to you out in the field. For example, in the 568.2 standard, it specifies the mechanical and the transmission requirements of category rated twisted pair cabling. In the field, you can't really make a CAT5E cable perform better than 100 megahertz. So you rely on the manufacturer to build that cable, to manufacture that cable to that 100 megahertz. In the 568.3 standard, that's the optical fiber comp component standard, there is a piece of information in there that does apply to you that you might be interested in when you're installing fiber optic cable plants. That is where you find the fiber optic color code. The fiber optic color code tells you which order to land those strands when you're, when you're terminating the fibers. And finally, the last group, the technical service bulletins. The TSB is the list to address emerging technologies when products come out in between each of the wiring of the standards, or writing of the standards. The standards are not easy to write. It takes three to five years to write them. So instead of revising the standards every 90 days to capture every single new innovation that comes out, 
when something new comes out, it'll be placed into a technical service bulletin. For example, TSB-185 for MICE cabling, which stands for Mechanical Ingress Climatic or Chemical or Electromagnetic Cables. When they reaffirm or republish the ANSI-1005 Industrial Standard, they will probably include verbiage from that TSB-185. So I have only touched upon the service of the standards. As a professional installer, professional designer, professional project manager, you should either know what's in these standards and how they apply to you or have access to this information. Now, instead of going out and spending a whole bunch of money like I did buying a set of standards, Annixter has a great book that you can request from them, which gives you the highlights from each of those standards. And in fact, some of tonight's show came from that book. So if you're interested in that, contact your local inside sales rep or your local outside sales rep and get a free copy. And don't just get it. Make sure you read it because it's only going to work if you actually read the information. I hope you found this content of value. If you did, let me know down below. And if there's any specific, specific, if there's any specific code or standards questions, remember, I got my codes now. I got my standards. Just hit me up. So until next time, remember, knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.